right, welcome back to the Cycling with Watts podcast. This is episode number nine. Thanks for tuning in today. If you've never tuned in before, we're only on episode nine, so we're not too far into it. I guess I'm not too far into it. So thanks for coming along on this podcasting journey. But what is Cycling with Watts? What is this podcast all about? It's a bi-weekly podcast that is aimed at getting you out on your bike more by going through pro news, trying to get you motivated by telling you what the pros are doing, talking about new tech and new trends in the tech world of biking, talking about bike maintenance, giving you tips, tricks, how to maintain your bike better, how to optimize that bike the best as possible. And then we dive into some training tips to make sure that you're training as well as you can out on the out on the bike. And so again, I thank you for coming along on this journey with me. We got a great episode planned today. Like I said, this is episode number nine. So you're here from the start when this thing blows up, you were one of the first ones in on it. So thanks for listening. We're going to roll that ever-famous orchestra sting music, and we're going to get right into it today. As always, we're starting off hard and fast talking about pro news. What's going on in the world of pro news right now, pro cycling? Well, there's uh, there's quite a lot of stuff coming out in the past week, which is awesome because it gives me content to talk about, but a lot of really interesting stuff, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with a specific race. Now, there were two big races going on in men's pro cycling. Also, cross season has started. Cross is here. It's like Game of Thrones. Winter is coming, and then winter is here, and cross is here, so we are... We are into the cross season, which is exciting if you follow cross because it's a completely different style of, of biking, as you know, compared to the road, and you can get a lot of interesting nuances and different strategies and definitely different terrain. It's very exciting to watch. Also, as a spectator, it's really exciting to watch because you're like in the middle of the action the whole time. That's hard to do on a lot of road races unless you're you're doing a crit. So cross is here. It's exciting. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But what are the two big races going on? Well... The Volta Espana, they're on a rest day today. I'm recording this Monday night, going to release it tomorrow, Tuesday, September 11th. That's when this is going live. So Monday today was the rest day for the Volta. It was the second rest day, and then we're into the third week of the Grand Tour. Also, the Tour of Britain was going on. That was eight stages long. That just wrapped up, and we have some good news coming out of there, which is exciting for me if you're a Team Sky fan. I think the Tour of Britain was was pretty exciting, and we have a new signing or an extension, however you wanna however you wanna put it, that we're gonna dive into. So the Vuelta, it is going on over in Spain right now. They are through 15 stages. Today was the last rest day. They go off on a time trial tomorrow, which is stage 16. Again, if you've uh, been listening to any of the past episodes, you will know I butcher Spanish names like terrible. So again, I will butcher these, but it is from Santiliana del Mar to Torlavega. Torlavega. There we go. Yeah, it's an individual time trial, 32.7 kilometers long, 20 miles long. And so the very first time trial was stage one. This is stage 16. And stage one was an eight-kilometer time trial. This is a 32.7-kilometer time trial, so definitely a lot longer in length. Rohan Dennis was the winner of stage one's time trial, and he's probably the favorite. He, he races for Team BMC. He is kind of a time trial specialist. At the beginning of the race, there was 
talks that maybe he would be in contention for overall GC hopes. And also Richie Port, his teammate, was one of the most favorited riders in the race. But early on, both of them lost their GC hopes. And by stage five, it was it was well done and over for them. So they've been in some breaks and doing some stuff. But Rohan Dennis, this is another redemption for him to try to get a, pick up another stage win. And really that two stage wins and two time trials for Rohan Dennis would make an amazing tour for him and an amazing Volta. So I'm guessing he's definitely aiming for that, but he's definitely a favorite for, t- for tomorrow. He's my favorite too. It's not going out on a limb, and limb by any means. It's kind of jumping on the bandwagon really because a lot of people who know cycling better than myself are picking Rohan Dennis, and so he would be my favorite. But what I am excited for is Simon Yates is in red after 15 stages and Simon Yates was my of Mitchelton Scott he was my pick to win the Vuelta I I believed Port would be up there and uh, but Simon Yates has just done it he's he's done really well he even took red earlier than what he was expecting because if you watch the Giro at all Simon Yates blew up towards the end of the Giro and uh, you had Tom DeMoulin in there from Giant Sunweb and you had Chris Froome from Team Sky who ultimately won it, but Team Sky or Chris Froome really had to put on like a cycling clinic in those last two, three stages to take that victory. Otherwise, Simon Yates looks like he looked like he was running away with the Giro. But what his team said and himself said after the Giro, which they were not going to make this mistake in the Volta, was attack too much, try to take too much time here and there, and expend so much energy in those first two weeks of the race because it blew up for them, for him then in that third week. And so that's something that they've definitely said in many interviews and even throughout this race. They've said that they're trying to be conservative. And Matt White, the director, keeps telling the media and any interview that it's hard to pull Simon Yates back, but they really have to concentrate on pulling him back if they want him to last all three weeks. So Simon Yates took red a little bit earlier than what he was even expecting while still reining it back in a way. Now, Simon Yates has picked up a stage win on stage 14. It was a mountain stage, 167 kilometers long and that was a big win for him and it wasn't necessarily I don't know if it was necessarily planned but he had the option to go now early on in the race two on stage four or five he took some time back there and that was another thing that was like ooh, maybe he pushed it too much early on in the race they said that they were going to hold back a little bit and then he pushed it again on stage 14 he won it so of course he had to push it but I'm guessing he's still in his in his limit within his capabilities if they've been trying to pull him back and he hasn't gone out too far now he does not have a commanding lead by any means as he is just 26 seconds ahead of Alejandro Valverde of Movistar which 26 seconds is still a lead especially going into a time trial but you got Simon Yates Mitchelton Scott number one Alejandro Valverde number two of Movistar 26 seconds back his teammate Nairo Quintana of Movistar is 33 seconds back of Simon Yates and then at fourth place from Astana you got Miguel Angel Lopez at 43 seconds back so all of these guys are very close together I mean 43 seconds between one and four that's close for a grand tour especially a grand tour that has as much climbing as the Vuelta does so it's been amazing to see all of these guys stick together and then rounding out the top five you have Stephen Kreiswick 
of Lotto NL Yumbo a minute and 29 seconds back. So compared to everybody else, Stephen Kreisvik seems like he's a long ways out, but still a minute 29 out is not that much in a grand tour because anything can happen. A crash, you know, we even saw a crash a couple stages ago after the finish line because reporters it was such a narrow finish and then all of the camera people are sitting behind that finish line and one camera guy happened to bop out a little bit too early and bam hit a rider and then that of course created like an a domino effect so anything can happen in a grand tour but going into the time trial tomorrow none of those top five guys are time trial specialists. You know, we see Tom DeMoulin, who is the time trial world champion right now. You see Chris Froome, who, again, is one of the best time trialists in the world. Primus Roglic, even, who was kind of an outside contender for the Tour de France this year. He's a GC guy that can also time trial very well. None of these guys in the top five, Valverde, Simon Yates, Nairo Quintana, Miguel Angel Lopez, or Kreiswick, are great time trialists. Now, they're good time trialists, but they are not great. So I don't believe that mix of guys will change too much for tomorrow. Could it change? Certainly. But I'm guessing they will not be moving too much out of that first place. Now, somebody could come in and steal it. I'm not guessing that is going to happen because in that top 10 still, there isn't any dramatically efficient time trialists where Simon Yates will lose more you know, he's not going to lose more than a minute. Back in the Giro, he did a good job of holding his lead going into that second time trial. He lost time on Dumoulin and Froome maybe by like a minute and a half, I believe, somewhere around there. But again, those are some of the top time trialists in the world, and he held his ground. And so tomorrow I think he's going to be able to hold his ground put in a good solid effort especially if he has been saving himself knowing that this is a longer time trial coming up and it's a chance for him to either lose a lot of time or gain time on his opponent so I believe I believe he's holding back for that but I still think Simon Yates will hold red in Madrid as he's just shown to be the most consistent rider throughout this Volta. And, of course, that's an easy thing to say because he's in red right now in first place. But after stage 16, the time trial, you have an intermediate stage, so it's going to be a little bit hilly, some flats, some climbs, but nothing terrible. And then you have a flat stage on 18 and then two mountain stages, and that's, again, where he can really cement some time. And then, of course, you have the flat stage coming into Madrid on stage 21, so no time placements will move there. But the two mountain stages on 19 and 20 will be decisive, and I think that Simon Yates has the best chance to put in more on his opponents, unless Movistar can really put something together. Now, it's interesting that Alejandro Valverde is in second place, and his teammate Nairo Quintana is in third place because this entire time, Alejandro Valverde has been saying how he is riding for Quintana, how Quintana is the leader of their team, but yet he is still ahead of him going into the third week of a Grand Tour. Not that that is really super interesting or something to read into from like a, is there team dynamics going on? Is one 
you know, not listening to the rest of the team. I just think it's the way it's played out. Movistar has two cards to attack, but in the mountains, I believe Quintana is the better rider. He is the more pure climber, and Alejandro Valverde will be working for him. So if they have a chance, I think Quintana is the best-placed guy to then take that red jersey from Yates. But we'll see. And if he does do it, it's going to be in either stage 19 or 20. It's not going to be in the time trial and it's not going to be on the intermediate or the flat stages. There's just there's no chance that Quintana does that. Also, the, the Peloton and Mitchelton Scott won't allow Quintana to get that kind of lead unless unless there is something crazy that happens, some kind of weird mechanical. Even that probably won't happen, but a crash can always occur. So I'm looking forward to the stage 19 and stage 20 as hopefully seeing some fireworks from somebody. But at the end of the day, I'm still sticking with Yates to uh, pull on red in Madrid. So moving from the Vuelta over to the Tour of Britain, if you've seen any parts of the Tour of Britain, it kind of feels like the Team Sky celebration tour. It feels like we're just going to do everything for Team Sky, which, well, they can. I mean, it's their it's their home turf. It's their home country. I mean, watching Team Sky's instagram stories and all that stuff you just get to see these mass amounts of people hoarding around the bus as garen thomas steps out and you know gets to gets to throw out bottles which if you saw it at all uh garen thomas took a water bottle signed it and then absolutely pathetically underhand tossed it up in the air, and it went no more than two inches and landed back at his feet. So it was great to see a cyclist try to make an athletic move, which didn't happen because the the water bottle went absolutely nowhere. And then another person was talking uh, who is a spectator. He's he's part of the media. Uh, His name is... I forget his name. But he's part of the media, and he was telling a story about how he was watching group of fans fight over one water bottle that a team sky member had thrown out into the crowd and the team sky member took the water bottle back and basically said nope this is not happening you are not fighting over a water bottle so yes crowd hysteria going on at team sky and respectively so but the tour of britain eight stages long team sky had garrett and thomas and Chris Froome both on the team, but both working for Walt Pools, who did end up winning stage, which was great to see. Julian Alaphilippe of Quickstep Floors, which again, Quickstep Floors is showing their absolute dominance this season. Just They're just mopping up the floor in all of cycling. I mean, they literally have their hand everywhere. Everywhere they have it. Julian Alaphilippe won the polka dot jersey in the Tour de France. You had... Elia Viviani won the sprinter's jersey in the Giro, and they are, I, they're, they've just been absolutely dominant this year. So, yes, Julian Alaphilippe takes kind of a surprise victory at the Tour of Britain, and Stage 8 was won by Caleb Ewan, who was riding his last race for Mitchelton Scott. Now, if you've been following that story at all, Caleb Ewan is a, an up-and-coming sprinter for Mitchelton Scott, and he was kind of the next big sprinter so we thought but then Mitchelton Scott had promised him to go to the Tour de France they announced their Tour de France team Caleb Ewan is not in that team reportedly because he had already signed other deals to go to other teams but nothing had come out 
about that. There was all this hysteria, but Mitchelton Scott decided not to take Caleb Ewan to the Tour de France, and that basically wrote his days at, or numbered his days at Mitchelton Scott because next year he is riding for Lado Sudal, and he will be their lead sprinter there as Andre Greipel is moving on from Lado Sudal. But anyways, Caleb Ewan takes stage eight. Julian Alaphilippe takes the overall victory. And what else came out of the Tour of Britain? Well, Garen Thomas has been in contract negotiations with Team Sky. And, of course, after winning the Tour de France, you have a little bit more leverage with what and where you want to go. And Garen Thomas announces at the Tour of Britain that he has signed a three-year extension with Team Sky. So this definitely sets up an interesting dynamic for who is going to be the leader at Team Sky. There was already these discussions going into the Tour de France this year, and Garen Thomas, of course, won that as he was the leader for that Tour de France squad. Now, Chris Froome had just come off of winning the Tour de France, winning the Volta Espana, and winning the Giro back-to-back-to-back. So, could speculate that Chris Froome was a little bit tired going to the Tour de France this year as he had just won the last three Grand Tours. And that is why Garen Thomas won. Now, you could also say that Garen Thomas was the leader to begin with, and we were just led to believe that they were doing a two-pronged attack like to Movistar, who had Mikel Landa, Nairo Quintana, and Alejandro Valverde as a three-pronged attack. A lot of teams, not a lot, but some teams have two people, and that's what we were led to believe with Team Sky, but then Garen Thomas was the best well-placed. Chris Froome wasn't. Chris Froome said he didn't have the legs. Garen Thomas was there for your leader. So what is going to happen in the next year? We know that Chris Froome still has ambitions to win that fifth Tour de France. And as as this year's Tour de France champion, Garen Thomas, how does he not want to repeat next year? We'll see. We'll see. Maybe he has aspirations on the Giro or aspirations on the Volta, Garen Thomas, and he'll let Chris Froome focus on the Tour de France. But it it will definitely create good talking points, and we just will have to wait and see what is going to happen. But it's definitely setting up for a great Tour de France next year if those two riders are in it, Garen Thomas, Chris Froome. Which right now, I I don't see how they wouldn't be in there, but you never know what Team Sky is going to do or the aspirations of Froome and Thomas. So yes, Garen Thomas extends for three years with Team Sky. Now, moving over to mountain biking. Yes, we will dip into a little bit of mountain biking if if it is exciting news. And this is absolutely exciting news for American cycling. Because we have a world champion in American cycling. We have an American cyclist sporting a Red Bull helmet as the world champion. And it's awesome. So Kate Courtney wins the mountain biking world title in Switzerland. This is absolutely huge for American cycling. We have not had a world champion. Well, at least in mountain biking, but I I really can't think of another one. Since Allison Dunlop... Back in 2001, where she won the mountain or the cross country world title in Vail, Colorado, and so this is absolutely huge. 17 years since we've had a world champion, and Kate Courtney now gets to don the rainbow jersey for all of next year, and so that was super exciting. She's 22 years old, 
and she's been doing really well in the under-23 division, but now comes on to the full pro scene and takes that world title. She takes it, gets it for another full year. So, yes, an American in the rainbow stripes, super exciting. Congrats to Kate Courtney dominating that women's race. Actually, she didn't necessarily dominate it towards the end. She absolutely dominated it, though. It was fantastic to watch. So, yes, congrats to Kate Courtney. I hope she can uh, repeat for a couple of years going forward because it would be great to see an American in rainbow stripes for longer than one year. Moving over to another woman now. We just praised a woman, Kate Courtney, and unfortunately, Christina Vogel, who's a track cyclist from Germany, had a terrible crash this summer, and she hasn't been speaking to the media, and nobody's really heard what is going on with her. And she came out in the past couple days and told the media, told all of her fans that she is paralyzed and she will no longer be able to ride a bike. Now, Christina Vogel has definitely dominated in the track as she has been a German national champion. She's been a gold medalist. She's been a world champion wearing the rainbow stripes. She looks like a badass out on the track. She can lift so much more weight than I can ever dream of. If you follow her on Instagram, you can go see how much weight she is pulling up. But it's very sad. It was sad news that Christina Vogel is going to be paralyzed in a wheelchair. And we won't get to see her be out on the track anymore. At least that's what it looks like. And she doesn't say that there's really any hope for getting back out on a bike Ever. So definitely some sad news, and this was not her only crash that she's been involved with earlier on in her career. She was involved in another terrible crash, but was able to come back for that. Now has a crash that will end her cycling career. So prayers and thoughts are with Christina Vogel and her family, and as, as they are trying to transition now, into a life that was focused on cycling and trying to focus on another aspect of life. And I would really love to see her still be embedded in the cycling community because she's awesome to follow. She's a great face for the sport, and she's been very exciting to watch. So I hope the best for Christina Vogel. And on another season ending early, I don't feel as bad for this one, but another German, Marcel Kettle is hanging up the cleats for just the season. You thought I was going to say for his career. Nope, just for the season. So Marcel Kittel has had not a great year. Last year won five stages in the Tour de France. Absolutely dominant. I think he had 14 wins for quicks up floors last year. You know, that's a pretty dominant season for a sprinter. And now he, I don't think he's even had a, a win this year. And so Marcel Kittle riding for Katusha Elbison is uh, is hanging it up. And basically he says that he just needs rest. He hasn't had the season that he wants. You know, he moved from quick step floors last year where he was the guy. I mean, he was the sprinter for them. And uh, this year quick step floors has Fernando Gaviria. Don, I mean, did really well in the Tour de France. Has done well in a lot of other places. And, of course, the ever-dominant Elia Viviani. So they had two sprinters for this year. I think Marcel Kittel kind of got pushed out unless he wanted to go kind of do his own thing. He went over to Katusha Elpison and has just had a very disappointing season. We thought maybe in the tour he was going to redeem himself in a way, but he is not. So definitely, uh, yeah, he's hanging it up for more rest and unfortunate for German cycling. This is now two sprinters 
one is done for the career and one is done for the season. And so I, I hope the best for him. I hope he can mentally recover because he's a very exciting racer to watch. And he just hasn't seemed to have it in the sprints this year. He's just not following the same lines, putting out the same kind of power. And so I really hope he can he can readjust, reset, and come back strong next year. Kind of in the way of Mark Cavendish as well. Mark Cavendish just has had a disappointing season now. Mark Cavendish, of course, came down with bar Epstein virus. And so he had a physical ailment that took him out of the season. But Marcel Kittle as well, we don't know if something more is going on. But right now he is he's putting it up, and I hope he can come back strong next year. As I said, he, he's exciting to watch. So what else is going on in pro cycling? Well, Mariana Voss, who is dominant, has been very dominant in her career in women's cycling. She had – well, her team is signing with uh, CCC for next year, who on the men's side will also have a team in the pro peloton. With uh, they're taking over Team BMC and Greg Van Offermott will be their leader as Port is going on over to Trex Cycling Team. So Mariana Voss's team is set to become CCC, and they signed a three-year deal with the Polish shoe manufacturer. They spent one year with Wawa Deals, Wawa Deals, W A O W D E A L S. Wow deals. That's why I'm going to say it. Not 100% sure if that's how you say it. That's what I'm going to say. CCC is a lot easier to say. Yes, they are a Polish shoe manufacturer, and that team is moving on over there. Mariana Voss, former world champion. Hashtag Voss Boss. So exciting to see, too. A pro team that has both a men's and women's team. Movistar does that. Mitchelton Scott does that. Some other teams do it, and it's definitely trending, and I would like to see more of it. I'd love to see a Team Sky on the women's side, as I love Team Sky. They probably are my favorite. I will admit it. I jumped on the bandwagon a couple years ago, and I've stayed on it. But I'd love to see a women's team from Team Sky. So, yes, CCC will have a both men's and women's team at the highest levels next year. And lastly, but not leastly, we have Cyclocross, Cross, Cross, Cross. Yes, Cross is here. And... Rochester, New York, was a very big race. Now, I'm not as technical on cyclocross, so I apologize if I butcher what races mean, what racers did, but I'm still just trying to give the news of what happened in cycling. So, who came out on top after the first big U.S. cyclocross race of the year. Well, on the women's side, you had Maghali Rochette, which again, I apologize if that's not how you say her name, but she took it on the women's side, beating out Ellen Noble and Katie Kanaw, Katie Koff, Katie Koff, yeah. Ellen Noble is very exciting to follow on Instagram. She is very active on social media, and I would highly recommend giving Ellen Noble a follow. She's a very exciting young American racer, both on cyclocross and mountain bike side. She rides for Trek Factory Racing. And over on the men's side, it was Stephen Hyde, who is the U.S. cyclocross champion. He dominated last year's cyclocross U.S. circuits, did pretty well over in Europe as well. He is definitely the U.S.'s top cyclocross rider and he dominated this week defeating the likes of jeremy powers and carrie werner 
and he did that by winning both Saturday and Sunday cyclocross in Rochester, New York. So congrats to those two, and congrats to the cyclocross season as that kicks off, which I highly recommend watching some cross races. They are very exciting. You get to see a ton of action, and it's fun to see riders come through the exact same spot over and over and over again. That's something in road cycling that you just don't get to see, especially like if we got to see riders descend mountains like four times and they just kept getting better and better and better as they descended to each time i think that'd be really exciting and if you get to go see a cyclocross race in person it's great because it's usually some kind of circuit and you you get to be right in the middle of the action and basically see them on all the courses so i highly recommend going out and checking out one of your local cyclocross races and there's usually beer there which i'm i'm not gonna you know be the typical basic cyclist who loves their craft beer and really gets into the notes of it but i do and i really do enjoy a nice beer and there is a lot of craft beer that usually goes along with watching a cyclocross race so not only one do you get to see really fun exciting thrilling bike racing but you also get to drink beer so and there's usually good food because again craft beer and good food just go to go together so go check out a local cyclocross race And so that brings us to the end of Pro News. Came a long way from the Volta Espana all the way to Rochester, New York for Cyclocross. And now taking a dramatic turn, we're going to head over into tech news. Now this is definitely a slow period for tech, so I could just scour the lurkings of the internet and find weird tech that has come out but is very irrelevant to you so i thought I'd, I'd, I'd touch on a quick topic that is probably relevant to you and that is in the form of e-bikes electric assist bikes now before before you turn off the podcast if you have not experienced an e-bike i highly recommend trying one before you make judgment on an e-bike so if you know nothing about e-bikes you have no idea what i'm talking about an e-bike has a motor on it it has a battery and somehow it assists the rider who is riding it but aside from the motor and the battery it is a regular bike now if you don't know my background at all i work for velovix it's a mobile bike shop and we work with a couple e-bike brands and build and deliver a lot of e-bikes so i firsthand get to see build and deliver e-bikes to customers and that has taught me so much because i definitely i I didn't turn e-bikes down to begin with but i stubbed my nose at it you know because i was like oh this is cheating but the more and more and more i interact with customers about e-bikes the one thing that keeps coming across is this bike is going to help this person ride further and ride more, which at the end of the day, that's all I can ask for is that more people are out on a bike and more people are enjoying their butt over two wheels. So that's what it's all about. And uh, like today, I did a test ride of an e-bike for a guy. He had to be in his mid, mid-80s. He just can't ride a regular bike anymore, but he loved riding bikes back in the day. And this was the first e-bike he ever tried 
today was he's done a lot of research on it and just the joy that it brought him and the smile that he had on his face when he came back from it and he was basically like sold i can ride this bike i have one bad leg i have one good leg and if that bad leg gives out on me i'm screwed if i'm out riding but i have an e-bike that can allow me to get back home so he has that confidence to go out riding again now is there a bad side to e-bikes and I would 100% say yes, but I would not say that bad side is cheating. So many people come up to me and be like, is that an e-bike? Oh, that's cheating. No, it's not cheating. For the majority of people who are using e-bikes, it's not cheating. It's getting them out riding more and much more. The downside to e-bikes, I have to say, is the safety issue on bike paths. Now, there's class one, class two, and class three styles of e-bikes. And class two means that the bike governs at 20 miles per hour class three means that the bike governs at 28 miles an hour now is 20 miles an hour fast on a bike path yes majority of the people who are buying the class two e-bikes are not wanting to go 20 miles an hour on a bike path that is in my opinion but the people who are buying the class three e-bikes are the ones that are wanting to go 28 miles on a bike path and that scares me i think there's a real safety issue from that standpoint and this is my own opinion not attached to any part of the businesses uh, that i work with but class three can be dangerous and unless we see some laws change there could be class three e-bikes out on the bike path now that is i believe illegal almost everywhere but what is going to stop somebody from taking that bike out on to a bike path so what i can only do is try to educate people as much as possible on safe riding practices when i am delivering those bikes now i'm delivering class two e-bikes i want to clarify that and so i still feel like that is safe because majority of those people are not trying to go 20 miles an hour on a bike path they are trying to get out more by using that pedal assist and having the luxury of being able to conquer some of those hills that are around them. Maybe age doesn't allow them to fully work the bike how they want to, and, and that's what they're using the bike for. They're using it as a mode of transportation to work out and to get outside more, and that's awesome. They're not trying to be speed junkies blazing down a bike path. And now with e-bike technology getting better and better, we're starting to see more and more e-bikes. Now, first iterations of e-bikes, you could tell that they were an e-bike. They had a big old motor on them. They had a big old battery on them. But we're getting further down the line now where like Felt has an e-bike, Pinarello has an e-bike, and that battery is all in that, in that down tube with the, the motor in the, in the bottom bracket. And it's very well hidden. You know, it, it just looks like a pretty massive down to but if you went by it on the road pass by it on the road you probably wouldn't notice that that is an e-bike and that is just giving that rider a little bit of an assist and i see that as pretty cool especially for things like bike packing where you're loading down that bike you can now go a couple miles an hour faster or you don't have to struggle up that hill with all of that weight on your bike and so i think these innovations for these road style or adventure style bikes becoming e-bikes is cool because it might give somebody confidence to go out bikepacking who didn't feel like they could do 40, 50 miles loaded up with their bike. And now they can have that confidence to go out and do that. So again, I am all for e-bikes as long as we're being safe out on bike paths. But I think that's a really interesting 
topic, and I know a lot of people are against e-bikes. A lot of people are for e-bikes, but I'd love to hear what you guys think about e-bikes. If you find me on social media, I'd love to, to get your comments, comment on this podcast if you're available to. I'm working on getting an email set up so that I can take email, comments, questions, all that stuff. But if you can find me, I'd love to hear your opinion on e-bikes. Okay, so again, taking another turn, let's jump into the maintenance corner, and we're going to talk about tires. Now, we've talked a lot about air pressure on some previous podcasts, and today I want to talk about when do you need to replace a tire. I really feel like a tire, it's that contact point between the bike and the ground, and it's a very important piece of your bike, and it's a very cheap part of your bike, which is great. And I mean cheap in the dollar sense, not in like tires are crappy across the board. No, tires are a very value way to upgrade your bike and change the feel of your bike, but you need to be replacing your tires when they get worn out. One, there's a safety issue, there is a performance issue, and the bike is just not as fun. So when do you tell when a tire is worn out? Well, there are a couple things to note. So I'm talking about road bikes here. Most road bikes have a wear indicator on them. If you check the box when you buy the tire, there's usually on that box, there's somewhere that shows you what that wear indicator is like. Otherwise, ask your mechanic if you have a mechanic put on new tires for you during a tune-up or something like that. But majority of those wear indicators is a small dot on the tire, and it looks like rubber has just been taken right out of that tire and it has and so it's a little circle that has I don't know maybe half a millimeter depth on it and if you can't see that circle anymore that means that your tire is worn out and that is the manufacturer's expectations that when that circle is gone your tire is worn out and it needs to be replaced now if you can't find that circle say your tire doesn't have it or you never knew if it had it in the first place so you don't know if you should replace it, what are the other signs that you can look for? Well, a tire should be nice and round up top. Of course, it's a tire, it's a circle in circumference, but also from the edges of your rim, you should have a nice round feel to that tire. Now, when that tire starts to get worn out, it gets gets flat in the middle. So if you take your hand and run it across your tire side to side and also, I don't know, horizontally around the tire, and it feels flat in the middle, it's time to start thinking about replacing that tire because the more that tire gets flat, you're just eating away at that rubber inside of there. Therefore, you're not going to have as great a braking power. You're not going to have as much traction and the tire is becoming compromised. Now, what are some other alarming things to notice that you should replace your tire? Well, if on the sidewalls of your tire, you start seeing little threads coming out, that is a definite, definite sign that you need new tires. That means the sidewall of that is either dry rotting out or there's cracks in there. And what, what can happen is over time, if too many of those threads are shown, there's actually little holes that can be created in there. And then that tube can pop out of that tire. And I've now this usually happens on bikes that sit outside or have been sitting in the garage for 10 years. They're 20 years old. They've never had their tires replaced. So majority of the time, if you get your bike serviced regularly, or if you're somewhat competent on 
bike maintenance, this is avoided. But if you start to see those threads coming out on your tire, just know that that is not a good sign and you should be getting tires as soon as possible. And another thing that I'm asked as a mechanic is, can I rotate my tires? Sure, you can rotate your tires from front to back because back usually wears out faster. One, because people tend to use that back brake more than they use their front brake, but you also have more weight on your back, causing it uh, to wear out a little bit faster when you are braking. So, can you rotate your tires? Sure, if you want to, totally fine to do it. I don't really see the point of it. I just swap out new tires. If the back one needs it, the front one usually is getting close. Unless you really use that back brake and kind of never use that front brake, usually they're pretty close to being replaced, so you might as well swap them out both and then keep that front tire as a backup tire down the road in case you have a blowout. In case something goes wrong with one of your tires, you have a backup tire always. So yes, those are the reasons that you should replace a tire. Now I want to talk a little bit about, so like I said before, tire is the main contact between the bike and the ground and it's one of the best value upgrades to make your bike feel better so if you are riding on a stock tire that you bought with the bike you've never replaced them i'd highly recommend upgrading and seeing what that difference makes to your bike you will get less rolling resistance making you faster you will probably get a higher tpi tire which means that it has a softer feel to it you'll be able to feel the road underneath underneath of you better and so I ride Continental Grand Prix 4000s, and I love those tires. I think they have a great feel on the road. I feel fast on them. I know that they have less rolling resistance, and they've just been a very durable tire as well while also providing good performance in you know, turns and control throughout the roads that I am riding. But whatever brand of tires you like best, kind of look for that more performance-driven tire and give it a give it a shot. I mean, you're not investing a whole lot of money. Most of the time you can buy two tires for 100 bucks, 120 bucks, somewhere in that range. And it will last you probably a season depending on how much you ride, and that's a pretty cheap upgrade I would say for cycling because you can drop a lot of money on cycling stuff to make you go faster, and this is a very cheap way to do it. Now, it can also dramatically change the feel of your ride. So if you are riding on 23 millimeter tires and you make that upgrade to 25 millimeter tires, as long as your frame can handle it, highly recommend making the change to 25 millimeter tires. Not only will it be a more comfortable ride because you can drop that air pressure down more, you know, 23s, you've got to run at about 120 PSI, whereas 25 millimeter tires, you can run at about 100 PSI and even lower. You could drop it down to 80, really, if you if you don't care about speed that much, you, you want comfort over speed, you can drop it down to 80 PSI. And if your frame can handle it, upgrade from 25 to 28 millimeter tires, and you can run those as low as 60. So I've done a couple of those on my bike. I, I haven't had a bike that runs 23 in a long time, but I currently ride 25s on my Grand Prix. But when I want a more comfortable ride or I'm going to go do gravel or something like that, I throw on some more endurance style uh, gator skin tires that are 28s and it just gives a completely different ride feel it's much more comfortable i can just feel the entire bike loosen up a little bit with those tires on there because i can run a different tire pressure also more of that tire is taking the brunt of what the road is giving me so that's your education on tires when to replace it and yes if you are not seeing that circle as the wear indicator any longer get rid of that tire get a new tire 
because there are safety issues involved, but there's also performance issues. And if you see any threads coming out of that sidewall, time for a new tire. But also look into upgrading your tire the next time you are getting tires, either upgrading in performance or upgrading from a 25 to a 28, if your frame can allow it. And if that is most optimized with your rims, which that is another discussion, but talk about it with your mechanic. So lastly, in training tips, I came across a brilliant article by Bicycling Magazine. Now this is a little bit of a, uh, a stretch for training, but since we're basic bikers on this podcast, it is basic season with fall coming up. I mean, we got pumpkin spice lattes coming out. We got plenty of Instagram pics coming out at apple orchards or rides through leaves or pumpkin patches. We got a lot of basic things coming up this season. And why not take that basicness onto your bike while you are training? If you just can't get enough of that pumpkin spice latte, well, you can bring it out on the bike with you with the RX pumpkin spice protein bar it's got three egg whites in there six almonds four cashews two dates and no bs limited edition pumpkin spice flavor so why not sip on that pumpkin spice latte before your ride eat it out on your ride take that coffee stop get another pumpkin spice latte hell bring two of these bars out with you therefore you can have like six pumpkin spice opportunities on one bike ride what gets more basic than that? Well, then take a picture of all of that, put it in your Instagram story, put it in your Snapchat story, make sure you have a nice filter on your Instagram pic, post that. But if that doesn't do it for you, you can also have Picky Oats, Performance Oatmeal, Apple, Cinnamon, Chia Seeds, and Ginger. So a little bit away from the Pumpkin Spice but you're still in that Apple Orchard, Apple Cinnamon flavor. That's Picky Oats, Performance Oatmeal. 10 bucks on Amazon. Never tried it. Don't know if it's good. Those RX bars are really good. Haven't had the pumpkin spice, but they are really good. So what else do we got pumpkin spice wise? Well, if you're not an RX fan, you're a Cliff Bar fan, you're loyal. You're loyal to Cliff Bar. You can get spice pumpkin pie Cliff Bar. So you can you can get your your pumpkin pie fill wherever you want in cycling. And so the best one though is this article. So Bicycle Magazine put together this article of basically how you can get as much pumpkin in your life as possible. There is also Jacked O'Lantern by Bones Coffee Company that is a pumpkin spice coffee. Now that sounds absolutely terrible, but you can have pumpkin spice latte and then pumpkin spice coffee. So you can just have pumpkin, pumpkin, pumpkin. And that basically rounded out for the pumpkin stuff that you can do while also riding a bike so there you go that's how you can train this fall is fill your body with training foods that are also pumpkin spiced flavor and just get the most basic ride possible that you can so that rounds out the cycling with with watts podcast and again this podcast is dedicated on getting you out riding more bringing you training tips like how to fill your life with pumpkin spice, bringing you pro news to hopefully inspire you to ride just like the pros, bringing you tech news so you know what's going on in the world of cycling and then maintenance so that you can work on your bike, you can be more educated about what to do with your bike and you have more confidence that you you have a properly running bike that will get you out riding more. 
And so, yes, thank you for listening to episode nine. If you want to get more of Cycling with Watts, make sure to check me out on Instagram at Cycling with Watts. You can check me out on Twitter at Cycling with Watts. That is Cycling WTH Watts on Twitter. Twitter handle would not allow me to have the I in with, so I dropped it. Cycling WTH Watts on Twitter. Check out my blog at cyclingwithwatts.com. And then email coming soon so I can get questions from you guys. You can leave me comments, communicate a lot, better, easy, more efficient through email. So that is coming soon. Stay tuned for that. But join me next for an, you know, really exciting, we're on the 10th episode of Cycling with Watts. Now we'll do something huge for 50 and 100. 10, probably not going to do anything huge, but we're going to be back with more Volta results and more training tips about how you can put more pumpkin into your life aside from just the RX pumpkin spice bar. But yes, it is fall, so go out and get a pumpkin spice latte and then make sure to put that on Instagram with your bike next to it. Put a good filter on there. Be basic. But at the end of the day, just get out on your bike. Thanks again for listening. We will roll that sting music to carry us out. Have a great Tuesday. Tuesday.